We're back. Woohoo! After a short hiatus, it was very brief. It was brief. It was crazy. <laughs> it was kind of crazy. <laughs> How have you been? I'm all right. Um, I mean, same shit, different day here. But you, you're in a different country, in a different part of the world. And what's that like? It's weird. Like, some things are really cool, and they're, like, really considerate about people in, like, some ways, and then other things are just really weird. So, like, all the cars will stop. If you even look like you're approaching, like, crossing the street, any car will stop. But, like, people will just walk in front of you at a grocery store, and they'll, or, like, any store, or anywhere, ever, and they don't make eye contact with you. They, like, don't... (laughs) acknowledge that you it's so weird like some things are very weird how's getting a you know settled with your in the new place and the, how are the cats doing how's shaggy doing <laughs> we had like a housing kerfuffle in the beginning so we landed in bergen and i was like hey we're here did you folks get this paperwork straightened out because there was okay so the realtor and the university both had this piece of paper and Mm -hmm. it had one sentence difference and it was about how long they would guarantee our deposit for basically you have x amount of time to make like the deposit on your apartment or whatever and they could not agree so like i would send my signed copy to the university and the university would edit it and send it to the realtor and the realtor would say, Oh, this doesn't, this doesn't work for us. So we landed in Bergen and I'm like, Hey, has this been straightened out? And the university is like, Nope, sorry, we're not going to guarantee anything for you. Um, Try looking for another (laughs) place or working with the realtor. Yeah. So we wound up just paying the deposit, which is something we didn't know we could do. We just would have done that. Sure. Um, yeah, but we couldn't move into our place. So we landed on Tuesday. We had to get a pet friendly hotel because Wednesday we had to fly to Oslo to get the cats and fly back with them on Wednesday. We needed a place to stay till we could get into our place. Mm-hmm. So it was a little hectic, but sure. it worked out. Yeah, and the, the cats made it. We thought Kara was dead when we picked her up because her carrier was like empty it looked empty there was just like this blanket of felt and like it was like where the fuck is our cat and like we kept yeah we kept calling her and she didn't come out and we're like oh my god so like we took a pen and we're like poking it and i was like oh my god are we gonna find a dead cat right now and like we didn't when we lifted up the felt she was like hiding under the like as low as she could go to the floor and her eyes were so big and we were like i'm so sorry but they made it there we have a lawn roomba so it's a an automatic grass mower and uh the cats are real freaked out about that so they don't like going outside (laughs) yeah everyone's adjusting everyone is adjusting life is happening the mister is doing okay he had his first like full day at home today alone and uh he played music and watched videos he's waiting for all the deliveries and stuff no sure so, yeah you guys are still 
well in the transition. Yeah. <laughs> How is your cousin niece? Cousin niece doing? She's not. <laughs> I want to make it very clear that I do not technically know her. She has right. a relation with her marriage. But yeah, uh, that was a nuts story. For anybody listening, there was this Amber Alert that went out on the Big Island, and that almost never, ever happens. So that yeah. was a big fucking deal. And a 15-year-old girl had been kidnapped from A Bay or Anaiho'omalu Bay, which is on the west side of the island and is a very, very popular beach. There are resorts. There are... It was a nut story. Basically, a man kidnapped her from the beach... She spent a night with him, unfucking fortunately. And then, luckily, though, she was able to, and this is just like all of the praise for this girl's emotional and mental capacity and strength. And, you know, she was able to convince him to take her into a public space. She was able to escape from him. And,. She is back with her family, and there's a trial happening, and Good. yeah, they, they were able to catch the guy uh, later that day after she escaped in Inaloa, because of, of fucking course he was in Inaloa. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's just a big fucking meth head, and it was so weird, though, dude, like, it was very, like, predetermined, I guess. From what I hear, he was working construction down at Ape, which is why he had like this whole like lay of the land. Mm-hmm. But it seems like he was really just like anticipating kidnapping somebody like for a while now because he seemed to have like a plan in place for it. Yeah, he had zip ties and a knife and drugs, right? Because he drugged yeah, allegedly. Allegedly, I mean, I don't know what the thing with the drugs is. I mean, I believe the kid if he says he was drugged, you know, but like, I don't know if that means that he had ice and he like just made him take a hit of ice or like, you know what I mean? But, you know, these kids are 15 years old. I can't imagine how fucking traumatic that situation is. And like, you know, I hope this guy fucking rots in prison for what he did to their lives at such a young age. And yeah, what it's going to span years into their future. It's going to affect them in all kinds of ways. And this man is a selfish piece of shit. And, you know, like I'm not for the death penalty really, but like sometimes when you hit these situations where you've like encountered these offenders who have just made so many wrong choices, you know, I won't go into detail on the show about what he actually did to this girl, but I can tell you that it's not good. Shit. Um, I was hoping she got away. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, like somebody put this guy the fuck down. I feel like, you know, like he has nothing to contribute to the world. There's no going back from what he did to this other person. He took so much of her life away, you know, and it's just, it's so unfortunate. So I don't know. It was really intense. Um, that happened. <laughs> you left and that happened. And so the last few weeks have been nuts, but all in all, I mean, you know, I'm fine. Like I'm, I'm okay. And life is generally fine. It's just been a roller coaster. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> so we're 12 hours apart so it's 9 p.m for you or for me <laughs> yeah. and it's 9 a.m for you so that's kind of crazy yeah which you know I mean I've been awake for like four hours already but I'm just starting my work day here technically so yeah we like never do anything at 9 a.m well that's not true we do our interviews usually before 9 a.m <laughs> that's true <laughs> Just trying to get things back to stasis, I think, is really where I'm at right now. Anybody who's been listening to the show, you know that we've been on a little bit of an episode hiatus just because of all of the craziness. We are working to change that now that we are both just, you know, reestablished where we're at now. So anyway, what what is the news like in Norway? What's going on? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not really super into the news in Norway yet. I'm still trying to figure it out, like where I should. Oh, this is not news, but Norway has its own country music and <laughs> they they sing with the country accent. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes it's in English and sometimes it's in Norwegian. So I had to ask someone, like, is this American country? And they're like, no, this is... Norwegian country. There's a guy, his name is like Dietrich McGraw or something, Dietrich something. And uh, yeah, he's just a Norwegian country artist. It's very weird. Dietrich McGraw. (laughs) I don't know if that's his real (laughs) last name. Yeah. It sounds like a, it certainly sounds like a stage name borrowed from Tim McGraw. The American yeah. countries. <laughs> yeah, hilarious. I'll find a link to his to his stuff and put it in in the show notes. Can we talk yeah. about Iran? Oh yeah. Okay, please yeah. talk about Can Iran. Talk about anything else right now? If anybody does not know about what is going on in Iran, holy shit! I mean. It's sad, it's tragic, it's beautiful, it's powerful, it is so many things. So in recent weeks, there has been, what is the word, insurmountable happenings, I guess, in the country of Iran. And it all began really similarly to like how it began with George Floyd in the U.S. It was something, this is something that has been systematically happening in the country of Iran for a long time. And it has pretty much flown under the radar, just like the systematic racism in the United States. Only this is gender specific. And a 22-year-old woman named Masha Amini was arrested by the morality police out of her brother's car for improperly wearing her hijab. Mm -hmm. And now there is a huge debate on whether or not she was beaten by the morality police to death, which obviously is what most of the country of Iran believes and what I also believe. And Yeah, because she was taken into custody, right? And then murdered, not murdered. She died at the police station, right? Yeah, and so the government has released videos of her collapsing, but the videos are obviously edited. Mm. Uh, and so it's a weird, I mean, you know, her 
what's important more than anything is that her family 100% believes that she was beaten to death by the morality police mm-hmm. while she was detained. Photos of her in the hospital show her bleeding from the ears, which physicians will tell you is not the result of a stroke. That is the result of blunt force trauma to the skull. Yeah, because that's what they said she died from, right? was like a heart attack or a stroke or something. They tried to say that she had a stroke that was brought on by a heart attack. Mm. Yeah, mm. so once again, you do not bleed from the ears when you have a stroke. That's not, those things are not connected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not funny, but yeah. Within the past few weeks since this happening, Iran has lit the fuck up with just enough. And we are watching women burn their hijabs. Uh, We are watching mass protests happen ongoing all over the country. We are watching women take on the morality police without their hijabs on, knowing 12 women have died as a result of these protests so far. Yeah. And they are not even scared. If you have been following the footage, Reddit is a really great place to see footage that, you know, is unbiased and just being recorded on people's phones. The courage, the just immense amount of courage that these women have is, holy shit. You know, I can't even imagine, like, on fear of death, these women, these women aren't even fighting to close a wage gap. These women aren't fighting to do any of the things that we fight for in the United States or, like, these first world countries are fighting for. They are fighting for the right to show their hair. You know, it really puts into perspective, I guess, just the world for women. You know, I mean, we're fighting for abortion rights in this country right now. And they, I mean, they can't, they're not even having that conversation, you know, and it's, it's just, it's just wild. But uh, to the women of Iran, we fucking stand with you. And I would like to find organizations to try to help the protests out there. I'm not really sure what can be done at this point because what i've heard last is that they're going to kill the internet for the country stop being televised yeah i would think this we will do our diligence and put stuff in the show notes ways to help and support but my biggest guesses would be like unicef and amnesty international there's going to be legal fees and these women are you know not criminals. I saw that some women were cutting their hair in protest in in other uh, Iranian women living in other countries. And I saw I saw something that the burning the hijab is not in protest of wearing the hijab. And it's really important to remember that it's a protest of the symbol of what the hijab represents. And that many women do find the garment empowering, but they should have the freedom to wear it however they want. Or not wear it at all, which is yeah, where or not wear it at all. Are at it's you know like the how this country is fighting for the choice to have an abortion. They're fighting for the choice to conform to religious doctrine. You know, yeah, and like that is such a basic human right. 
and one that I think that we take for granted in this country because, you know, it's it hasn't been in question. I mean, like, obviously, the abortion argument is coming from religious indoctrination, but like we still have so many states in this country that are just refusing to hear that. Like this state, for instance, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like, and it's just crazy, you know, I mean, like the whole, the sad thing is that is until America started meddling in the Middle East, like until we really started having a presence there and we, they were relatively progressive and you can look back into like the 80s and like the 70s and it wasn't mm -hmm. until you know fear caused them to put religious fundamentalists into power mm -hmm. where all of these rules and all of these intense strict religious indoctrination started to become the norm and you know, women particularly have taken the shit end of the stick for it. I mean, just for anybody who doesn't know what's going on, just do your research. You know what I mean? Like, this is such an important story. And it, I think it's also important to realize that, like, what we do with our presence in other places directly affects them. You know what I mean? We're watching yeah. Russia with Ukraine right now, we're watching all of these things and it's so easy to stand by and say, oh, how terrible, fuck Russia, fuck this, fuck that. But like, we're that guy too. Yeah, and, and we have been for decades. This actually came up at the going away party where someone was like, oh, but don't you think democracy is better than a monarchy? And I was like, well, not if you force it on someone. Like, it's not a choice that if you're like, this is the way, your way of life is wrong and we're going to come in here and show you how you have to do it. And then we're watching all of these democracies that we tried to help establish in other countries just like fold, like fall apart, go back to like dictatorships. And I'm not saying that that's right or that's good, but Every country needs to move at their own pace. It's not for us to go into a country and be like, your ways are wrong and your women are oppressed. I mean, granted, their women are oppressed, you know, but I don't know. We just can't force democracy on people. I mean, that's like what the whole like uh, satire of Team America was about. Yes. You know, <laughs> was just we act like we're superheroes for the world and it's just so ridiculous because everybody is the hero in their own story you don't think fucking putin is the hero in his story oh like, my gosh he totally is yeah he's uniting yeah. russia or the ussr or whatever yeah with the mobilization of russian citizens who do not want to be involved like it's it's so nuts the world is a crazy place right now but i guess it always has been and it's just going to continue to be yeah, but I'm happy to hear that you're like holding it down and getting back to some normalcy and that, you know, you folks are doing good. I saw your crazy Jenga game the other day. <laughs> we were on mushrooms, so it was <laughs> much crazier. Than, I mean, like, it's not like we were like frying on mushrooms. We had just taken a little bit of mushrooms and it was silly. It was pretty funny. What are we talking about today? Are we talking about education? Yeah, we're supposed to talk about education. I think, you know, that's one thing that women haven't had access to around the world. And women die all the time in other countries just trying to go to fucking school. Like, what is that about? And here we are so privileged to have the right to either drop out of school or get a doctorate, you know, like just two ends of the, the spectrum. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. And I mean, you just uh, relocated to another place in the world to further pursue, you know, your educational career and, yeah. <laughs> and your career and education, not your education towards a career. Well, I think it's, yeah, I'm learning a whole new thing. So I think that the way you said it is fine too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it, like what Alicia mentioned, we are in fact two opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of educational pursuit. Mm. And it's interesting to see like the, the pros and cons of education, you know? Mm. In this country, particularly, there are so many cons with it because we are capitalists and we turn it into a big fucking capitalist endeavor. So we just getting an education means that you're going into debt for the rest of your fucking life. And that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Which is why I chose not to participate. I mean, that's not the only reason, but it's definitely one of the reasons why later in my life, even after having shaken off like the adolescence and like the intense hatred for the school systems in the United States, I still have not pursued higher education. Mm. But let's talk about education from your perspective, because it's literally what you do. It is what I do. I, I believe that it is the main gateway like out of poverty and more and more careers require some sort of specialized training to do them like even if you go into a trade school you're more likely to get hired if you've done like a preliminary degree or you know, if you've gone like to school for that thing and done the formal apprenticeship and everything, you know, you're more likely to quote unquote be successful financially. I mean, I did just see that like right now in Hawaii, like the rising cost of inflation and housing far outpaced like the raises that we've been getting and the we've talked before about how the the raise of the minimum wage, like we it's like under half of what it needs to actually be. People need to be making like $30 an hour to live in Hawaii because I also recognize that America is, you know, an enemy, not an enemy, but like, uh, what do I want to say about America? Like it's capitalist and um, it's taking advantage of a lot of people and it systematically impoverishes like black and brown people and women. And part of that is like, through the denial of education for generations, you know, and education can lead to like positions of power. It can just lead to financial stability. So like, I really, I really believe in the power of education, except in places like Hawaii where like you get all these people with bachelor's degrees, but there's no careers. Like there's this weird yeah. disconnect between like, okay, so you have a workforce coming out. This is, uh, now we're getting into some, I don't even know if we were planning on talking about this, but there's this misalignment between what people come out prepared to do and what the job market is set up to handle. And like, so you get people with like bachelor's degrees working at enterprise rent a car, you know, and it's like their degree isn't even in what they're doing. They're like, like salespeople or whatever. And their degree is in, you know, 
yeah, they work in hotels. And it's like, why? Why? How did this happen? I mean, it happens because they systematically keep the economy working this way because the biggest, you know, export, I guess, really, or like the biggest financial stability for Hawaii is the tourism industry and the tourism industry, those who are the corporate elite of the tourism industry in Hawaii are benefiting specifically off the fact that they have established the most jobs, they can afford to pay the best, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And so like, things like what I do as a grant writer fall by the fucking wayside. Like, I am not making as much as I should be as a grant writer in the state of Hawaii because grant writers don't make that much in the state of Hawaii because, but it's insane to think that my sister down the road, who is a restaurant server probably makes with a casual schedule. I am, you know, my own business and I work my business full time is making probably double what I make in a year. Yeah. And it's so hard to be here with that knowledge because I, for somebody who doesn't have formal education in what I do and for somebody who didn't even fucking finish high school, like I worked so hard to claw my way out of like what was expected for me, which was Mm -hmm. going to be a server or that I was going to be a fucking, you know, in retail or even, you know, what I did for a long time and doing labor and having a trade, like, hence uh, the side jobs you take so you can go on vacation. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like for me to live a life here that comes with any sort of luxury, like I need to do this fulfilling job that I have. I mean, we'll put air quotes around that, but sure. And then, (laughs) and then I still have to work a trade because Hawaii does not enable me to be successful if I am outside the tourism industry. If I'm outside the tourism industry, I have to pay my own benefits. And if I'm outside the tourism industry, you know what I mean? Like there's, they, they keep it this way so that we can keep fucking pumping money into like the pockets of like hotels. And, you know, I mean, the entirety of the United States is not different from that model. It just, the industry has changed from place to place. Yeah. Your town is a fucking Amazon town. That's what you do if you're call it or if you live in a university town. Same thing. You know what I mean? Like the people but whoever is the like person in place, the corporate elite for that state is going to be controlling that industry. Thus like controlling this entire like hierarchy of who is middle class, who is impoverished, and you know, like, also, I would like to say for education, too, that we have, it's crazy, because, like, in this country, we have the rights to education, and anybody can go and get educated in this country is, like, what we like to tell ourselves about. Yeah, it's a lie. It's a huge lie. (laughs) And it's something, and, I mean, we've spoken about this on the podcast before, but, like, this comes down to class. Like, this comes down to the class that you come from and 
no matter how good your fucking like GPA is, if you're coming from a 4.0, you're doing all of these things. If you're coming from a fucking trailer park in but fuck Oklahoma, you're probably not going to get into Harvard, you know? Yeah. Like, my, and- my best friend in high school, actually, she was one of nine valedictorians we had at our school. We had nine valedictorians and one salutatorian, um, which is the person that comes in second place. And she applied to Harvard and she sat on my couch crying because they didn't even write her a rejection letter. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, but the salutatorian got into Harvard. And it just kind of echoes like that point. Like, even though everything was almost basically the same, you know, like not even not even a rejection letter. Sure. I mean, but that's that is the truth behind education in the United States of America. Education is an elite class to be educated is to be an elite in this country and the fact of the matter is that it does work out better for certain races it does work out better for certain tax brackets it does work out you know and that's not saying that you can't go to public like community college here and get a degree and still have like a well-paying job and like things like that but like they just make the ladder a lot harder to climb yeah you are not coming from a pre-established wealth and you did, I mean, you climbed that ladder. You you did that. And I mean, can you tell us about what that experience through academia was like? Because you didn't come from pre-established wealth. I mean. Yeah. Okay. That was, <laughs> sure. I, I am not really sure what happened, but when I was a kid, like I was really into reading as you were, and they had these books at the grocery store where you could do spelling and Uh, math problems and stuff and they would come out in the summer like to prep for the next school year and so by the time I started school I was on like fourth grade reading and Mm -hmm. I think second or third grade math so I tested in the gifted program and then so I had to go to a special school and this brought like a whole other set of challenges like I got made fun of for like being smart It took me a a while to like find my people. College was really like high school when you're doing all your college prep. And so I went to a college prep high school. It was a performing arts high school and I was a dance major. And uh, the idea of college was really amorphous. Like it was like, you can do anything, you can go anywhere. There's no guidelines. It's not really very clear. And I needed a lot of help and I came out with a plan a friend and i were gonna go to college specifically to start a dance company because we were dance majors and so i was gonna do most of the business stuff and she was gonna be lead choreographer and we stopped being friends and then it was like okay well now what do i do (laughs) like i don't really want to follow through with this plan on my own and so it was just i had no like plan i just always knew that I wanted to have a doctorate. I mean, we talked about this before because like I was with a whole bunch of people that didn't like, like my friend group outside of punk rock, like didn't like take me seriously and didn't listen to what I had to say. And like, part of it was to feel like my voice mattered at least to myself, you know, Mm -hmm. just keep looking at this thing that our friend Sylvia made 
I just put it on the ground. <laughs> but it says Dr. Alicia on it and glitter. And I'm like, oh, I made it. And so I always knew that I wanted to have a doctorate. I just never knew what it was going to be in. And I would tell people, like, maybe it doesn't exist yet. And it turns out it didn't exist as an established field until 07. I faced a lot of obstacles, though, throughout my entire educational journey from, like, my family just because I'm not really sure why, but they just weren't supportive of things. Like when I wanted to go into physics or science, you know, they were like, well, you're a girl and you don't need to even work, you know, like, what are you doing? And it's Mm -hmm. like, why don't I need to work? Like, this is a weird, this is weird. Why wouldn't I want to like support myself? And just a lot of like, you know, maybe you shouldn't be going into, you know, whatever, whatever field. Cause you know, restaurant, I wanted to own a restaurant at one point and they're like, there's too many restaurants. Like, what are you going to do? How are you going to compete? So it was just a lot of real like negative stuff. Um, it wasn't till I got off meth that like, and I, I told my family, like, look, if, if I'm going to do this college thing, like, I'm really just going to need your support. And like, you can't, you can't, tell me my ideas are stupid anymore. Like I can't do this alone. And, you know, I I need you there like nicely, like supportive. And um, yeah, that kind of changed everything. Once I paid for my first semester by myself and I got straight A's and they were like, okay, you're actually serious. Then they like just supported me on, on everything. Um, it was always a it was always a hard journey and it was just trying to figure out like okay where do I fit can I f- do I feel comfortable here is this what I want to be learning or doing or like spending my time on and uh if I could do it all over again I would have probably left Hawaii sooner for my doctorate just to get into a different system uh sure. of the way that things are done Financially, what was that like, though? Because you, you know, had no real, like, it's not like you had a trust fund to pull from. It's not like, you know, so like, how, uh, how was that? How was making it through your doctorate, you know, and supporting yourself? Yeah, well, I apparently had a college fund at one point, and my dad spent it on the down payment for a house. My mom blew through like the rest of the savings that we got from my, my, my grandpa. So there Mm. was supposed to be money for me so that I wouldn't be in debt. But I, I took out, I got grant money. I did federal work study, which I, I think everyone should be awarded federal work study. If people want to work, I think there's so much benefit to working through college that uh, everybody should kind of do that. So I got money to work on campus. I also took out loans for your master's and your doctorate. Like you kind of have to, Mm -hmm. if you don't get like scholarships and stuff, I'm not, I'm not really a scholarship person. I don't know how to talk good about myself and asking people for letters is really weird letters of recommendation. So I just kind of, took out a bunch of loans and we lived on it and I'm not sorry about it, even though it was a lot of money and now I can't really afford to buy a house, but that's okay. Cause I'm in Norway. And apparently <laughs> I, 
<laughs> Apparently I can. I'm going to try to apply for the public loan forgiveness thing, even though I, I got told that I don't make the time. I, I should have made the time because I've been paying for my loans since like 2006. So mm-hmm. we'll see if it works out. But yeah. And I think, you know, if you're going to go into a field for state government, federal government, education, something where you know that you're going to be coming out making less money, definitely take out the loans and participate in the federal student loan forgiveness program because then you can you can get that money forgiven at some point. Hopefully, ideally. Yeah, <laughs> ideally. I mean, like, I've uh, none of the time that I spend in Norway counts toward forgiveness because you have to work in the United States. Sure. But yeah. Yeah, that's true. Re- I mean, that's just so insane to me. So, coming from the opposite end of the educational spectrum, in terms of like the past, like, the only thing anybody ever told me was that I had to work. You know, because my <laughs> parents were in the service industry because I'm from Hawaii and my parents are from Hawaii and it's fucking just what you do, you know. I was never told that I didn't have to work, you know, or that like, and being a girl never made a goddamn bit of difference because my mom was such a powerhouse and my mom climbed the ladder, you know, in her career from being a manager in a restaurant to being the manager of a very, very, very wealthy man's golf course that he built here. And the, you know, the, the salary between those two varied (laughs) hugely (laughs) by the end of the (laughs) So like my mom really was like a powerhouse of just a career machine. My parents are both workaholics my entire life, you know, and I guess maybe that's a reason why education never looked that appealing to me either is because like I watched my mother turn, you know, a lack of an education into a very, very high paying position. Also, like, I just fucking hate, I mean, I hated school from when I was a little kid. I hated school just because, I mean, Hawaii, especially when I was in school, was so underserved in terms of public education that like it was a fucking joke it was fucking daycare yeah you know and things like racism and things like homophobia and things like just general like shitty childhood like hierarchies just ran rampant through public school systems because nobody was really monitoring that you know because it was just like a fucking daycare and so my entire experience with school was that you know if you're white someone's gonna beat the shit out of you that's how Mm -hmm. school was i was in school and like luckily i'm not you know so like i wasn't on that end but like i had a bunch of friends that were you know Mm -hmm. uh particularly like my partner (laughs) <laughs> you know, can you imagine what it was like being white in Pune in the 80s? Fuck me. No. Uh, you know, and then it just taught me that if you had any any ambitions to break the mold, you were a fucking idiot and you were putting a target on your back. When I was in, this is so, <laughs> this is so visceral to me and like such a clear memory, but I must have been 
in about sixth grade. And in sixth grade in my school, you started home economics, right? Mm. One of my classes, my home economics class literally taught us as a lesson for the day, how to fill out job applications to KTA. Oh, okay. It was like, it was like a death sentence, you know, is what it felt like. It just felt like this is what they were marching us towards. And like, now we're old enough to like, maybe start thinking about applying because the legal working age in Hawaii is 14 years old. So by the time that I had decided that I was going to drop out of school, I just got a job. It's got a job and I just kept working. And it's so funny that like my career technically, I wouldn't say is in academia, but circles definitely like the perimeter of academia. It sure does, especially um, like the agriculture field, which is like one of the biggest industries in education in Hawaii. It's like marine science, astronomy and agriculture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, just for anybody, I guess what I'm saying is for anybody who isn't interested in playing the education game, you are not excluded from participating in educational fields. It's just, it's just, a, it's a lot of work though. Like I still have no idea how I ended up where I am. You know, like I, I always knew I was smart, but like, it was just a series of like fortunate events for me, you know, that like led me to where I am. And it was the unwavering fucking decision that I made to not be just another service industry worker in Hawaii. It sucks though. I don't make a lot of money, you know, like I get to work from home and I love that. I don't make a lot of money. Uh, I definitely do not make as much money as people who do have degrees for sure, you know, and never will. And it's, uh, it's wild, (laughs) but you know, I mean, I think like there's something to be said for education as being something that you can gain via like school and academia, and then something that you can do yourself, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, if you want to be a veterinarian, you have to go to school. And don't let anyone tell you that you can't be a veterinarian. Like, if you want to be a veterinarian and you work hard enough and you pass all of, like, the, you know, chemistry classes and whatever, like, if you want to be a nurse, a doctor, a veterinarian, an astronomer, a professor, like, whatever you need that has upper like educational qualifications like you can do it even if you have to skip the first step of the diploma the high school diploma and get a GED like you can do that and like Mm. if you don't have people that support your goals try to find some new people because like you need to be around people who support you whatever you want to do but yeah you can definitely those things you needed education for other things do not need to go to school and get a formal like piece of paper for yeah and you know i mean i think the common thread that we're drawing here between both experiences with and without you know an educational background is that it's a fucking tough ass climb either way yeah and there is no greener side of the pasture um 
I think that for punk rock culture, it's remarkable to watch as education becomes more valuable. Mm. And as we are starting to see more people from punk rock backgrounds move into like academia, you know, there's like a, a handful of like punk rock uh, icons who have PhDs now, you know, and I think that more there should be more. Yeah, well, I think one of the big things too, right, is like if you don't like the system, and you, it's easier to take down the system from inside the system, and the way into the system is education, especially if you don't have like whatever you know, like you were saying, like a trust fund or like some kind of in already, like the way in is through education and then, you know, tear this fucker down. (laughs) Well, you know, and like the funny thing is like, even like if you don't like the system, well, that's all well and good. First things first, though, like you, even if it's not, not like in pursuit of an education or a career, like you should educate yourself on the system, how the system works, why the system is in place, what parts of the system work and which parts don't, because it is this, the system isn't this thing. I think people imagine it to be where it's like this nicely laid out, like there's a hard circle drawn around what is the system and then everything else is outside of it, right? Like, <laughs> that's not how this works. And I think most people don't really understand that, like, there are so many things in the system that are valuable. And, like, you, it's one thing to say, fuck America, and, like, to praise socialism, which a lot of people do, or to praise communism, which a lot of people do, and, like, all of those different things. But, like, traits of those systems exist within the united states yeah you know like so like it's not fuck america it's fuck capitalism and Mm -hmm. the parts you know and so i mean it i just feel like you know educating yourself on like is the first step into educating or like to wanting an education anywhere like you have to do the work yourself you have to want to be better or not better that's not the right word i guess you just have to want to be educated yeah and education doesn't have to come i think to to further that formally like there especially with the internet like there's so much information there's so much vetted information and there's so much free information that is also vetted like that you can use to you know deepen your understanding of a system or a thing or you know an industry or whatever like you can pursue education at any dollar point now as like an entry as an entry point like google scholar is a great place for free scholarly articles and research gate and if you're looking for that and then there's also like white papers there's like sites that do distilling of scientific articles for um general like population consumption like i fucking love science ifls is a good resource for if you want to know what's going on in any scientific stem industry but you don't have like the the knowledge of the jargon or whatever they'll like distill all this stuff for you 
and it's it's an engaging and fun kind of read. So you can you can start educating yourself any day. <laughs> yeah, sure. And anybody who is interested in pursuing education in the United States, I believe that you have to be a United States citizen for this. The first fully accredited tuition-free college has been established, and it is called the University of the People. And they are currently offering only like your options in like four different fields. And, Mm -hmm. but still like they are basically like the bones of, you know, the American economy. So if you are interested in pursuing your education, like resources like this are becoming more and more available. And now that there's one, there's going to be more to follow in its stead. So I would say anybody looking to further their education or to participate in higher education to, you know, keep your eyes on the horizon for more things like this coming up or just try out University of the People. I mean, it's tuition free, so you're not really losing anything by trying, you know. Yeah, I know um, if you if you're a resident of the state of Hawaii, like community college is free for all residents for the state of Hawaii in pursuing any associate degree um, at the community college level. And I'm sure other places have programs like that, too. And it is only a matter of time before there's more free, more free universities. There's also training programs like um, the American Dream Academy offered in partnership with Coursera has different certificates that you can earn for free or low, low cost. And it offers the like ability to like retrain or upskill or even like learn an entire new skill set for things like analytics, marketing, things like that, that would be really useful to like do a career swivel or a career pivot, whichever term you like. So there's stuff like that too. I mean, there's definitely resources available out there. My friend Leah is actually currently attending the University of the People. Oh, wow. At 100% online. And, you know, I mean, it's very cool to know somebody who's actively participating in it and, like, actively, like, reaping benefits of it. You know, like, this is something that we can vouch for on this show, uh, knowing somebody who's going through it. And... Um, I think that maybe we'll talk to Leah about this in an episode because I would really, really like to know what these kinds of free education programs are like because they're brand new. Yeah, I'm working with a group on one as well. And I would be, I would feel very ashamed if it was that one, (laughs) but I will get, I'll get the name for it and uh, we'll put it in the show notes, but it's a group that I work with on dialogical pedagogy, which is the idea that we learn through like engaging with other people. And that's Mm -hmm. like the foundation of learning. And so we've started, uh, well, that group has started like a free, free university. That's Uh, awesome. Yeah. It's still in its infancy. Like we're, I haven't been to any of the meetings. Sorry, everybody who's listening, if you're listening, but um, (laughs) they happened at like, 4 a.m. in Hawaii. So we'll see if I can catch one now. Um, but 
like, yeah, we're doing the organizational structure and course offerings and stuff. Cool, dude. That's awesome. Yeah, I guess to tie punk rock into this a little bit more, I think to be a punk rocker in general, you're already coming from a place where you would like to be better educated about the world that you live in. It's probably the thing that spurred your interests in the first place, you know, and rebellion is oftentimes a desire for greater understanding of the world around you or the desire to create a better world around you. And, you know, all of those things are a hundred percent tied into education, be it self-education or academia. And I just want to like repeat again, that I think that there should be, so many more people coming from punk rock backgrounds pursuing academia you already have it in you you've already started the process just by being the person that you are and having the interests that you have and yeah. i think it's really important to pursue that into your future and i mean those are the kinds of things that create a better world knowing how to create a better world is how you do it you know and so Anyway, just to fold that up nicely, I'd yeah, say let's shout outs, but I think we shouted out a lot of organizations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you have a band that has like a song about education that you like? Or like, is there a band that you're like, yeah, they talk about smart things? I mean, there's so many, you know, like I was saying, punk rock is in its by its own nature just kind of like a uh smart thing you know i mean not always not when you look at like Gigi allen and shit like that but like you know i think that especially from like any anarcho bands any anybody who was particularly interested in being <laughs> educated i think you know punk rock is inherently smart and if i have to like point out from my okay, let's do this. From my end of the perspective, and coming from somebody who has no formal education and has none of those things, but just has an innate understanding of how the world works and the problems with society, any song by Operation Ivy is really good. And the reason that I'm bringing up Operation Ivy is because that band was formed when they were 17 years old, and to this day, listening to the lyrics that Jesse Michaels was writing as a 17-year-old are mind-blowing. And I think mm -hmm. it just speaks to my point about like the kind of person you are to be drawn into this scene in the first place. I think that's a really good thing. And then you can, yeah, we're both drawn to lyrics anyway and what people say, the message that they're trying to convey through music. And punk rock really is a genre that like gets me like thinking and um i think being like a punk rock kid one thing about being educated is it's one thing to like spout off things that you're educated about and it's another thing to actually like apply them i think that's one thing that that we could all really benefit from doing with whatever our education is wherever we decide to take it is actually how do we apply it one song that's been coming up a lot for me for a while that I've wanted to shout out is this band Western Addiction. It's called They Burned Our Paintings. And it's about how in times of protest, like the 
they, you know, whoever the conqueror is or whatever, they gather all the paintings and then they burn them. And it's like, well, you can burn our paintings. We'll paint a thousand more. Like, it doesn't matter. You, you can't kill our culture just by, you know, burning these artifacts of it. It's just such like a, I'm getting chicken skin on the inside. Like I have chicken skin, like on my spine, like just thinking about it. Like it's such a good song. Like you can't break our spirit. You can't take away our culture. We're here no matter what you try to do. Yeah. Uh, if we're going to talk about one band that is just so fucking intelligent lyrically too, in terms of their like perception on the world, uh, we have to talk about Protest the Hero, I think. Oh my gosh. Oh, they're, they're not punk rock, but oh my gosh. Yeah, they're not punk rock, but like, lyrically, holy shit. You know, like everything is so well written and so well thought out and the perspectives are incredible and just their ability to like conceptualize these ideas and the songs is phenomenal so let's shut out protest the hero anybody who wants to listen to something a little bit different i am of the opinion that his voice can be a lot at times mm-hmm. but i am i also love his voice <laughs> not for everybody but no. you know their lyrics are though i think yeah. their lyrics are for everybody whether or not you like that genre of music, even just go through and read their lyrics. They're just so good. <laughs> yeah. Every every album, pretty much. I mean, like, their new two are, are growing on me. Everything through Volition, like, I can vouch for, I think. Yeah. I would say Fortress is a little bit more of, like, a fantasy album, but it fucking kicks it, ass. It's, it's a concept album. <laughs> but, you know, before that a lot of their their music was very like either politically or like sociologically like uh based and they are just phenomenal writers so anyway i think that's a good band shout out on both of our parts yay yeah Um, and then so i guess yeah same bat time for us next week. I'm Al, by the way. And this is, I was thinking about this, you know, I made this announcement for last week that was just kind of apologizing for our lack of episodes. And I was kind of like playing with the idea of being like, stay tuned for season two of Out on an Island, because this is, you know, essentially like a whole new chapter for us. So I guess I'm just going to go ahead and call it what it is and like, welcome to season two of Out on an Island. <laughs> Yay! Season two in the house! <laughs> All right. Well, you can follow us on Instagram at Out on an Island Podcast. Yeah, and you can email us at Out on an, I'm at, uh, out on an Island at <laughs> Out on an Island Podcast at gmail.com yeah and as always guys we always want to hear any thoughts comments uh just i don't know say hi if you want to all right well bye everybody